Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, spring is here, which means we will quickly grow into our favorite season of the year, construction, right? That's around the corner. Um, I still get a little stressed out every time I see the orange barrels. Um, I can remember when I was, I was a new dad. We were living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The church that we served at was right, right kind of across from the entrance and exit to the highways. It was kind of right there. And I was driving I know you've always known I've been sporty and stylish, but I was driving a, a big old Astro minivan at that point. Does anybody remember the, the kind of boxes on wheels? You know what I'm talking about? And I was driving one of those, and I can remember, if I remember right, Clayton was just a little guy in the back, and Ron was in the passenger seat, and I was driving this thing, and I went to get on the highway at the same time, make, kind of making a right turn. Same time, some guy just kind of pulled out left in front of me and like, kind of cut me off and there was construction. And so in the process, I had to kind of swerve and that Astro met one of those orange construction barrels, sent that thing flying. It's one of the most manly moments of my life, if I'm gonna be honest. Until we got out and I looked and I saw the, not bad, but a dent that was there for a long time, right there on that van, reminding me over and over again, And so now when I see that certain color orange, I still twitch a little bit, right? Construction season. I don't think we love it, but I'm thankful for it, right? If you've ever traveled maybe some part of the country or the world that has different roads than we do, maybe that aren't as developed, it makes you thankful for the infrastructure that we have, even if at times it means we have to put up with the construction season. Construction season means there's some kind of maintenance that's going on that at some point you'll be thankful for when you don't bottom out in a crater somewhere on the Anthony Wayne Trail, right? You know what I'm talking about? Or sometimes construction means there's expansion and there's growth, and that's a good thing. And you need that construction, that infrastructure, that structure, if you will, that's gonna be able to support the growth that's coming. Because if if you want that growth, you have to have the structure to support it. Now here's what I wanna ask you to consider, kind of along those same lines. What kind of growth do you want to see in your life, personally, spiritually, professionally, emotionally, in your family, in your job, in in just your own personal development? Is there growth you want to see? And I guess I'd ask the question, if there is, how are you going to support it? Like what's under construction in your life so that should that growth come, when that growth comes, you're able to support what's coming? I guess the question I'm asking is, what are you building in your life? And if you're trying to build this, as you're building this in your life, how are you going about preparing for what might come? If you wanna receive God's blessing, I'm gonna encourage you that you need to build in some way. We're starting a new series that we're calling Building for Blessing. It's interesting, we started out our year talking about blessing. And then the last couple of weeks, I've really felt that God has, has put some of these things, we're gonna talk about some, honestly, some fairly basic things. But I feel strongly that God wants us to kind of park and spend some time on these things, to be prepared and have the structure in our lives for the blessing that he may want to pour out. Watch this, James chapter one, verse 17. We, we know this to be true. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 
God does not change, and he's the one who gives us all of our blessings. So if you wanna receive blessing in your life, we know this, we work hard, we do our part, we make right decisions, we, we, we do what we can to receive that blessing, but ultimately our blessings come from God. Ultimately, they come from God. He's the one who brings them. But, but, this is interesting, same book, same book of James. You cannot expect to receive God's blessings if you do not create an environment where he can pour them out in your life. Like, watch this, James chapter one, we'll go to verse six. He's talking about wisdom here in particular, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, but he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So every good and perfect gift comes down from above, but if you don't create an environment for those blessings to come, you shouldn't expect to receive anything. Like, I wanna receive God's blessings. I want him to be able to bless our church with more. I want him to bless my life and my family with more. I don't just mean more cash. I mean more opportunity. More, more chances to be used by him. More ways of seeing him do the supernatural in my life. So if you want to see God's blessing, then there's some building that has to happen. We must choose to build to support the blessing of God in our lives. Because if that infrastructure's not there, if you, if you haven't done the construction to support the blessing, then that blessing oftentimes I think can't be received. So let's do this. I wanna show you a principle from the book of Acts. And this, this will probably mean you tracking with me for a couple of moments. We're gonna, we're gonna move kind of quick. So if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, that's okay. I'm gonna give it to you from a 30,000 square foot view. And then over the next few weeks, we're, we'll dig down into some of these in particular. If you've been around here for a few years, you're probably familiar with the book of Acts. We, we did a series on the book of Acts. Anybody remember that? We were in that for probably the better part of a century. Do you remember that? that uh, when we were in the book of Acts? So I, I wanna show you this and talk about building for blessing. Like, and there's this principle that's there that I think is really important for us to see and how we build for blessing. So the book of Acts is the story of the, the church, the disciples, after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. It's the founding of the church. It's the story of how it spreads, what, what the apostles do. It, it focuses largely on the apostle Peter in the first half, the apostle Paul in the second half. We walk through this. If you've never read the book of Acts, it's, it's one of the most exciting books to read in, in scripture. It's a model for us as the church. And I wanna, I wanna show you something. One of the most exciting parts of the book of Acts is the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two. It's really when the church is born. The believers are in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. But there's something interesting. You have Acts one Matthias that comes before the Acts two Pentecost. There's an Acts one there's this part where they have to choose a, an apostle to take Judas's place, and they choose Matthias. And it's interesting that before you get to the exciting story of Acts 2 with Pentecost, you kind of have this record of detail about Matthias. Same kind of principle. Acts chapter eight, there's this, what I'll call a Samaritan miracle, right? That the disciples um, are in Jerusalem and many of the followers are scattered. The believers have to leave because of persecution. A guy named Philip goes to Samaria while he's there for the first time. People who aren't Jewish believe in Jesus. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's this incredible experience. But what's interesting, before the Acts 8 Samaritan miracle, you have this conflict with widows in Acts 6. So this is important for you to see. You have the Acts 6 widows conflict, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. 
It comes before the Acts 8 Samaritan miracle. I love reading about the Samaritan miracle. I yawn during the widow's conflict. It's not as intriguing. Doesn't get the old heart pumping as much. One other example in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, Paul goes out on his second missionary journey. And if you look at a map, you just see the sheer distance that he covers. The church just spreads miraculously. It, it's this powerful thing that happens. And again, a couple weeks, we'll, we'll dig into that story. What's interesting, though, is before you get the missionary journey in Acts 16, you have the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. To be honest, culturally, there's a lot about the Council of Jerusalem that we don't fully understand. It, it's a church business meeting where they have to add some things to the Constitution and bylaws. It's kind of a snoozer, if I'm honest. But before you get to the wow of Acts 16, you have to get through the what of Acts 15. Now watch this, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 16. Tremendous, miraculous, let's just call it supernatural stuff happens. And in each instance, before you can get to the supernatural, something has to happen in the life of the church that prepares them so that they have the structure to support what God is going to do. I would say to you, you don't get Acts 2 without Acts 1. And you don't get Acts 8 without Acts 6. And you don't get Acts 16 until you first go through Acts 15. So if you want the supernatural, this is the principle, if you want the supernatural, you have to also want the structural. See, God often does the structural before he does the supernatural. Before he pours out some new blessing in your life. Before you receive some new gift from him. Before you see him move in some kind of supernatural way, God often does the structural before he does the supernatural. Let me give you a quick snapshot into that, into the life of our church. Back in 2007, and, and you would remember this if you've been around for a while, back in 2007, we made a concerted effort to pay down some long-term debt that the church had. Felt like the Lord was leading us to do this. If you remember, we called it the Dream Again campaign. And... Um, you gave so sacrificially that over the course of a year, we wiped that debt out. And here's what we said the whole time. We're doing this not to be debt-free. We're doing this so we can be positioned for what God wants to do next in the life of the church. Because too often we had said, no, we can't do that because of the debt. So let's eliminate the debt so we can do what God wants us to do. So then in 2009, on the, got on the heels of that, burned the mortgage in 2008. Started at seven, burned it in eight. 2009, we launched into, and some of you were actually involved in this, kind of a strategic master planning, kind of prayer and planning, God, what would you have for us to do? So that in March of 2010, we stood up and presented to the congregation this, this uh, resource that said, we believe these are God's goals for us as a church. That was March of 2010. In June of 2010, God spoke to us about buying this building. We actually didn't throw our goals out the window. In the process of the relocation, we achieved and exceeded the goals that we had set. And it was interesting to watch this happen, that what happened in 2007, eight, and nine became a catalyst in 2010 for blessing that God has brought to the church. And in the process, we were able to move and relocate. And a building is just a building, but God uses buildings. And that transition has been a catalyst, honestly, for supernatural things that God has done in the life of the church. So paying down a mortgage, doing some strategic planning sounds awful structural. But if we hadn't done the structural then the supernatural life change that God has brought to some people would have never happened. Does that make sense? Like, like help me, are we, we tracking, we okay? Nod your head if you're watching online. Okay, 
So here's the deal. God will do the structural before the supernatural in your life. Why is that so important? Because the supernatural is fun. I'd love to go from supernatural to supernatural to supernatural. Anybody else? Supernatural is fun, but the structural is foundational. And you won't experience the supernatural without the structural. What happens if you don't have it? There's a bridge in North Dakota called the Northwood Bridge. It's 56 feet over the Goose River. It was built in 1906. It's kind of a historical landmark. Well, it uh, kind of was a historical landmark. Some guy was following his GPS, had a 40 plus ton truck filled with dried beans, by the way. <laughs> and as he was going over the bridge, well, let me show you, I think we've got some pictures that we can show you. Here you can kind of see how the trailer goes down. Can you notice that? <laughs> let me show you why, here's the picture. Because the bridge has collapsed right here. And you've just got that trailer hanging there. Here's one more picture that kind of gives us some insight into it. You can just kind of see where the bridge just whoosh, goes down and the trailer goes, whoosh. it's not supposed to be like that. But as he went barreling over, you have a bridge that had not been kept up, had not been designed, had not been prepared to support the blessing of those beans. And as the beans went over, the bridge fell through. There wasn't structure to support the blessing. And honestly, the same thing can happen in our lives. If you do not develop the structural in your life, you will not be able to bear the weight of the supernatural. Look, I wanna live my life in a way where God is free to pour out his blessings in my life. Anybody else? And if I want that, if that's what I wanna see, then I need to develop the structural to support the supernatural in my life. I wanna build today in order to support God's blessing tomorrow. So what we're gonna do over the course of the next few weeks is talk about this in the context and in the, in the kind of practical nature of some seasons that we go through in our lives. Because there are some natural seasons where I think this happens more than others, where God builds the structural in us to support the supernatural. The same thing happens kind of in our lives. We're coming up on graduation season, right? And if you graduate, it's because you've been through kindergarten, elementary school, junior high, high school, you, you've gone through those things, or maybe you've done those years of college or years of graduate study. That's why you're graduating. The day you graduate is a blessing, but there was a lot of structural work that it took to get there. If you are, if you've ever been in the process of, of planning a wedding, usually it's not something that happens overnight. It's one day, but there can be months, sometimes even years of planning that goes into it. You really see this when someone knows they're gonna have a baby because that honestly is something supernatural that comes into your home. But you've probably prepared. You've probably made sure that there was a, a crib, there was a room that was perfectly decorated, that you had the resources you needed so that you could support what was coming. I, I, I see that when I talk to folks who retire. It's fun when you hear somebody who says, yes, I'm retiring, and then they step into a whole nother adventure that doesn't just involve the remote control on their couch. <laughs> and they say, look, I'm so thankful for the years I worked because now it's set me up for this thing I'm doing now. But those things happen over time. They're structural that leads to the supernatural. So in this series, we're gonna talk about how do you navigate change? How do you navigate conflict? 
How do you develop character in your lives? And we're gonna look at some different things like that. The structural before the supernatural. There will be some principles that we'll talk about over and over again through this series. Before we apply them in some kind of real context, I wanna throw out today three scriptural principles for building blessing in your life. Three scriptural principles for building blessing in your life. And again, you're, you're gonna see these throughout this next series. They're kind of some building blocks. They're probably things you know. They're things that I know, but they're things I really need to be reminded of. Like this first one. Number one, first kind of principle for building blessing. Number one, you reap what you sow. Number one, you reap what you sow. This is a scriptural principle that you'll see over and over and over again. Oftentimes, we, we, we like to use this in the context of like 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We, we like to use this in the context of generosity, but scripture uses it in a lot of contexts. Like there's Hosea 8, 7 that talks about those who sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. That's, that's a negative thing that happens, right? You sow one thing, you're gonna get something more destructive back. Flip side of that is Psalm 126. Psalm 126 says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So that has a, 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 a happier tone to it. And then this one where the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse seven, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So there's a biblical principle here that what you sow, what you plant, what, what seed you put into your life, that's what's gonna come back out. That's, that's what you're gonna reap. And I think we'd know that, we'd say that. We, there's songs where we sing it but the reality is, do I keep that in mind as I live my life? That I'm gonna reap what I sow. We can think of it in some very practical aspects. Like I think in part it's how you handle change. Because the way that you handle change in your life today, you are sowing something that you're gonna reap later. What you sow into relationships today will affect whether that relationship is built up or torn down in the future. One of the places where I really see this, and maybe this is in part because of the, the season of life that I'm in, so my friends are in, that we watch this kind of at a point where it's kind of that empty nest season a little bit, starting to bridge over that a little bit. Parents, you reap what you sow. And don't lose sight of that in the lives of your families, especially those of you that might have young children, some of those really impressionable ages, or grandparents, this is huge. Don't lose sight that there are things that seem urgent today that might not really be all that important. And you need to ask yourself, the thing that I think is so urgent today, is that gonna reap in the life of my child? Is that gonna reap in the life of my family, the thing that I want to harvest years from now? Does that make sense? Like, are you teaching them a respect for authority? Because if you don't model it, you're gonna reap what you sow. Are you teaching them a genuine love for God? Because if you don't model it, you're gonna reap what you sow. One of the things that I, I see the most devastating over years of ministry in the life of a child is when they watch a parent who is one thing at home and then something different at church. 
And that sows seeds of confusion, maybe even hypocrisy, into the life of a family, and you'll reap what you sow. Some point in this series, we'll, we'll talk about our work at some point. And one of the things is you're gonna reap what you sow. Like if you wanna have a great job tomorrow, like if you look at your future and say, I wanna have a great job tomorrow, then you, knew, you need to do a great job today. If you wanna have a great job tomorrow, then do a great job today. See, sowing and reaping is about saying yes and saying no. It's saying yes to the things that really matter. And it's about saying no to some of the things that you'll look back later and say, hey, that really wasn't that important. So the question that we ask is, what do you want to reap? Like when you, when you kind of play the movie of your life out, then you look and think about what might be in your future. What is it that you want to reap? What is it you want to harvest? What do you want to see come out of your life? And then with that in mind, what are you sowing? <laughs> because are you sowing the things today that will put you in a place so you can reap later? One quick story from scripture before we move to the next thing. Acts chapter nine tells us the story of a lady named Tabitha. Sometimes she's called Dorcas. She, well, let me read it to you. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. And she's always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Think of, think of the facts that are here, right? She, she did a lot of good stuff, and she's dead. Like, she's not just, you know, mostly dead. She's all dead. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. So they send a couple messengers to Peter and say, hey, we want you to come. They've heard about the miracles that surrounded him. Watch what happens next, verse 39. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. This is really interesting that she's dead in this place, but Peter comes and they start telling him all the things that Dorcas did for them, all the things that she made for them. In fact, some commentators think that they were probably wearing them, that they were probably going, look, Peter, this is what she did for me. Verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up and he took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Now there's a lot we can say about this story. You can unpack it in a lot of different ways, but here's something that's interesting. When people talked about Tabitha, about Dorcas, they talked about the things that she had done if you will, they talked about the seed that she had sown. And in so many different ways, she had sown life into the people around her. She had sown grace and generosity and hope and love into the people around her. So much so that when she died, there was such a vacancy in that place that her friends went to great lengths to try to do something about that. <laughs> she sowed life into them and the story shows us that she actually reaped life back into her life as a result. Now, that doesn't mean that if you start crocheting things for people, you won't have to have a funeral. That's not what I'm saying. It's not the biblical principle. 
But I think there is a life principle here that when you sow life into others, you reap life for others and yourself. Like there's something powerful there for us to consider, and we will as, as we go through this series. Which takes us then to the second principle that I want you to see today. Principle number two, preparation precedes blessing. Principle number two, preparation precedes blessing. Like if we, if we go back to those stories in the book of Acts, we'll see this second principle, preparation precedes blessing. Let's, let's go back to those stories in the book of Acts. If, if you remember, Acts 1, you have Matthias, and that's before Acts 2, where you have Pentecost. I'm gonna be honest with you. You're more spiritual than I am. But when I get to that story about Matthias, I kinda wanna skip it. It's not that interesting. When you get to Acts chapter six, you have the widow's conflict that comes before the Samaritan miracle in Acts eight. And that, that story is almost a little troubling because people aren't getting along and then they have to elect leaders in the church and it's just, I don't know, it's easy to skip. And then Acts 15, where you have the Council of Jerusalem that comes before the Acts 16 missionary journey. If you've ever read Acts 15, it's kind of a weird story. And it deals with meat sacrificed to idols and sexual immorality and who agrees with what and this and that. And it's easy to skip and get to the fun stuff about Paul's travels. I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. I just think it's a word we can relate to. Some of those stories in Acts 1, Acts 6, Acts 15, they're kind of boring. They're not as exciting as the miracles that happen. You get to Acts 16, you got demons coming out of people. You got prisons being opened up by an earthquake. I mean, that's cool. Acts 15, church business, church business meeting. But here's what's really important for you to see. The boring things are there for a reason. <laughs> like anytime you read scripture and you wanna skip over something because you don't find it intriguing, ask yourself why that's there. Why is it so important that in God's timeless word, he records the stuff that we don't always find so interesting? The boring things are there for a reason because the boring brings the blessing so many times. So many times, even in our own lives, if we want to see blessing, it has to start with the boring. And we see this over and over again. I, I don't have a green thumb, but my wife does. And so as we get into kind of the spring and the summer, she's gonna wanna do things at our house that spruce it up. And I know what's gonna happen soon. Soon there will be a nightly ritual where she will water the plants. Anybody else? Anybody else? Or is it just, just Rhonda? Okay, there's other people, all right. Or if you have a garden, you know what I'm talking about, right? You gotta make sure that the water is right. You're gonna pull the weeds. And let's just be honest, it's the same thing every day. It's not that exciting. It's kind of boring. I'm gonna go water the plants again? Didn't you do it yesterday? Yep, I'm gonna go do it again. Why? Because if I don't, they're not gonna bloom. If I don't, they won't be beautiful. So I'm gonna do what's boring so that I can have the blessing. I see this in my own life. You, you know this to be true if you know anything about people who do high performance things, athletes in particular. If they don't do the boring stuff day in, day out, then they don't compete at the highest levels. I see this true in my spiritual life. I'm at my best when I'm boring. People say that every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. 
Here's the deal. You are at your best when you do the boring. When you're willing to keep to that routine, when you're willing to do those things that matter, when you're willing to develop those skills, those gifts, those strengths in your life, you're at your best when you do the boring. The, the book of Joshua is a place where we'll land several times in this series. Look at Joshua chapter one. In fact, we'll be at this the, the next time we're walking through these passages. But after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. This, this book of Joshua is all about conquering the promised land. But it's amazing how many times you watch God help the people prepare to do that. It's not just, hey, let's roll in and get it done. It's a constant process of preparation preceding blessing over and over again. So for the sake of time, let me throw you just a couple examples of this, how this might play out in your own life. I'd, I'd say this, first and foremost, spend time in God's word. Find a way on a regular basis, daily if you can, to spend time in God's word. Look, let's, let's, let's combine these principles. Let's say you wanna reap wisdom in your life. Do you wanna be someone who's wise, who understands not only how the Holy Spirit's leading, but the truths of God's word? If you want wisdom, then maybe what might be really cool is for you to take the book of Proverbs and read one chapter of Proverbs every day. Because if you do that, then every day, you're dropping some wisdom into your spirit. And every day, you might not feel a tingle. Every day, you might not go, I have a word. But every day, you're gonna be building up that wisdom into your life and at some point, you're gonna reap what you sowed by spending time in God's word. Does that make sense? Like to do that? Here's a, here's a second thing, and, and I'm just gonna throw this out there. You know this, it's no surprise, but it might be the nudge that God needs to give some of us. Practice makes perfect. So whatever it is that's a gift or a skill or a strength or an opportunity that God's given to you, don't mail it in. Like whatever that is, it might be the season of parenting that you're in. It might be the job God's called you to. It might be where you minister for him in some way. Don't just mail it in or skate by. Say to yourself, how do I get better at this? How do I learn more about this? How do I develop this better so that God can use me? Because you're gonna reap what you sow. If you want blessing, preparation precedes blessing. So practice makes perfect. Get out there and do it. And sometimes people will say, well, I... I feel like God might be leading me in a certain direction. You, you often hear this, if God's stirring something in your heart, maybe to take a missions trip, or maybe to make some bold step for him in your life. One of the best pieces I ever got of advice was when I was in college, and we had a professor who used to say, information feeds a burden. Like if you feel like you have a burden for some group of people, for some place, if you feel like God's put something in your heart to serve in a different way, don't just sit around and, and go, boy, I kind of feel like I should do something. Like find out what you can do. Like learn about it in some way because the more information you get, the more confirmation God can bring and information, it feeds a burden. Which takes us then, I guess, to the, the third thing. First one, you're gonna reap what you sow. Second, preparation precedes blessing. And here's the third one, you get what you pray for. Have you ever found it to be true that you get what you pay for? Well, the same thing's true in our spiritual lives, that you get what you pray for. One of the things that we'll see as a common thread throughout these different places in God's word 
where we watch the structural before the supernatural, one of the things that we see is that there is a constant theme of communication with God. You're gonna see prayer at the forefront in all of this. It reminds me of the scripture in, in Luke chapter 11, verse nine, that says, Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And maybe, maybe when I'm looking for blessing in my life sometimes and I'm not receiving it, it might be because I haven't asked seeked and knocked. And in the asking, that's when God can begin to do the work to build the structural in my life when I'm talking to him about it, that he can begin to do the structural in my life so then I can be in a place to support the supernatural that he wants to bring. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, we know what he wants to do. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Here's what I want you to see. Blessing is built on a foundation of prayer. Blessing is built on a foundation of prayer. And we'll take a little bit of time. If you're not familiar, every Tuesday, seven o'clock, we release a, a teaching that we've done, this 20, 30 minutes, that digs a little bit deeper into a topic from Sunday. And in part, we're gonna talk about this this next Tuesday. You can access it live on our website or you can go back and see it on Facebook or YouTube uh, on demand at any time. But, but this is a real truth. Blessing is built on a foundation of prayer. Look, if you wanna have a, a marriage that's blessed, Start by praying blessing for your spouse. Well, they're not blessing me. Well, then you go first. And start by praying blessing for them. If you want blessing in your home, in your workplace, in our church, begin by not just saying, God, will you bless us? But what if you started to pray intentionally about things? And you prayed with intentionality and you prayed with humility. If you're uncertain somewhere in your life, I have a tendency to sit and stew in my uncertainty when maybe I should be asking God for direction with great faith because blessing is built on a foundation of prayer. So here's a few questions. I, I guess first, what are you praying for? Like in your life right now, if you and I were just sitting down and having a sandwich or a cup of coffee or something, and I said, hey, what, what are you praying for? Like, what blessings do you want in your life? Can you think of some things right now? Like, what are you praying for? What blessings do you want in your life? And maybe the practical question then is, are you praying for them? Like, are you really taking those things to God? You don't do this because you're more spiritual than I am. But I have been known to say I'll pray about something and then forget to pray about it. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> I do a better job of worrying about it than I do actually intentionally asking, seeking, and knocking about it. So maybe in, in this season, if we're gonna build for blessing, maybe we ask the question, what's your prayer strategy? Like in your life right now in this season, what's, what's your prayer strategy? And let me just give you maybe a, a good checklist to walk yourself through. When you think about your own times when you pray, maybe ask the question, who, what, when, where, why, and how? Like, who and what am I praying for? And I'd encourage you, maybe figure out how to keep track of that. 
Maybe it's just a simple list. Maybe you use an app on your phone. Maybe you, you, you're a, a journaler and you have a, a book that you kind of treasure and prize with your, with your Bible or something that you, you keep those things in. But consider praying specifically for people by name, for situations intentionally. And then I find that I really need to do when and where am I gonna pray? Like, when am I gonna do it? Because if I just say, oh, I'll get to it in the morning, pretty soon it's evening. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I need to say, hey, seven o'clock, that's when I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it in the chair in the basement. Or I'm gonna do it in the car on my way to the office. Or I'm gonna, and, and, and decide where, where am I gonna do that? And I think it's important for us to ask the question, why do we pray? Like, what is it that we're praying for those people? Why is that, that we're praying in that way? And do we really believe God can do something for that situation? And then how do we pray? That's a good question for us to ask. How is my communication with God? Am I just talking at him? Or am I trying to have a conversation with him and hear what the Holy Spirit will speak in my life? Again, we've covered just some pretty basic stuff here. And we're gonna dig into some more detail and, and, and into some more practical situations as we go through this series. We've learned that you're gonna reap what you sow, that preparation precedes blessing, that you get what you pray for. And why is this so important? Because I want God's blessing in my life. And so I wanna, I'm okay to go through a construction season so that I can be in a place so that the structural is built to support the supernatural that he wants to bring. My question for you is, are you building for blessing? Are you building so that God can pour out his blessing in your life? And you say, Chad, why does it matter? December of 2019, I was down in the basement doing some work. Rhonda was down there actually wrapping Christmas gifts. And we came upstairs and looked out our front window and there was like a lineup of fire trucks and you could see all the red lights and all that kind of stuff. And I thought maybe something had happened to one of our neighbors. And I, I looked out and was shocked to see that a house kind of catty corner from us had had an, an issue with an appliance and had a massive house fire. And um, super gracious, nice family that lives there. Um, nobody was home at the time, nobody was injured in the fire, fortunately. And uh, basically they lost just about everything in the process. So then we hit kind of the COVID pandemic season. We kind of hit the lockdown season. And then kind of about this time last year, they start getting ready to rebuild that house. You know, first it's, it's removing everything that was there. And then what was honestly one of the most interesting things to kind of watch out our front window was then they began to prepare for the foundation. It was interesting to watch because first they just dig a big hole in the ground. And it's fascinating. People cannot walk by a big hole without stopping. We watch it all the time. People out walking their dogs, people that were um, kind of running or riding bikes or doing whatever, they'd stop. And like, there's a hole in the ground. Like it's just, you, you can't not stop. And they would stop and they would look at this big hole in the ground, just kind of check it out. Guilty as charged, right? <laughs> and then you'd watch. Eventually there's some concrete that gets 
support. And eventually you watch as it supports go up and you watch as things begin to build to hold the next levels of that house. And it was fascinating to watch. It wasn't just dig a hole, let's go. It was dig a hole and do some work and do some work and do some work and do some work and do some work. There was a lot that had to be done. There was an empty hole there for quite a while because they were making sure the foundation was right because there were two more stories. There was a family that was gonna live there and that foundation needed to be right. They believed that was a place where there would be blessing. They were building for that blessing. The question is, are you building for blessing in your life? Because somewhere there's something intricate that God wants to do in your life. He wants to pour out the supernatural. But are you open to him doing something that adds some support, some structure? He does the structural before the supernatural. Are you willing to do the structural so you can receive the supernatural? My question is, are you, are you building for blessing? So can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment, if you would, please. And I'm just gonna ask you to consider your own life, to consider where you're at in this moment, in this place in time. And whether you're sitting in this room, you're listening to a podcast, you're watching this online or on television, I believe that God wants to use these thoughts today to maybe stir something new inside of you as to what he wants to do in your life. It could be that where it needs to begin for you is literally with a, with a foundational relationship with Jesus Christ. That you know that the way you've been building is not a way that God can bless. And you know that there is forgiveness that you need and that there is hope and peace and purpose that you need. Well, I know personally, and I know it from so many others, that that can only be found through a relationship with Jesus. And then if you'll simply just say to him, Jesus, I, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. Simply by calling on his name, you can begin that relationship with him. In just a moment as we pray, if that's where you are, I hope that you'll take a moment and say, Jesus, I give you my life. and Start that journey with him. Maybe that you're in a place in your life here, you're in this room today, or you're watching, listening to this, and you know that there's blessing that God's about to pour into your life. It might be something that's really good. It might be something you've longed for for a long time. It might be something that's completely unknown. But you say, God, before you do the supernatural, would you help me to build the structural? Would you help me to build for blessing so that I'll be ready to support the things that you wanna do and pour into my life? In this moment as we pray, would you be open to say, God, help me to receive that blessing. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that stretches us, your word that challenges us, and God, your word that instructs us in how we can live lives of blessing. Lord, would you help us to have the, the insight, the wisdom, the courage to build for that blessing that in those moments when you wanna do something structural in our lives, we would be open and watch for that with anticipation, knowing that those structural seasons are preparing us for supernatural things that you wanna do. Jesus, we give you our lives. We look to you, we trust in you, and we can't wait to see what you're gonna pour out in our community and in our church and in our jobs and in our schools and in our homes and in our lives. Lord, would you lead us with your special favor and your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.